At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is the New York City Cast with Will Hill, presented by Bet Rivers. Welcome to the New York City Cast, presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. A Wednesday show for you. Katie Sharp of Baseball References is going to join us. We will recap the trade deadline, talk NL East race. Uh, looking forward to talk to Katie. And uh, trade deadline is where we're going to start. By the time you listen to this, the Mets and Yankees, well, I think the Yankees will probably have started. They play in the afternoon. Minus 170, the Yankees are. Cole versus Castillo. Total 7.5. That line's way too high. I would think uh, this closes 7, even 6.5. I thought it might even, they might post a 6. I thought probably 6.5 juiced. I can't believe this is 7.5. So I do like the under. Again, this is an early start. So by the time we get Katie on, we get this this episode up. Uh, that game will probably started Mets because uh, this the Yankees is at 1 o'clock Eastern. The Mets are 4 o'clock Eastern. So maybe you have time to catch the Mets. Uh, who will be minus 240 against the Nationals. As, boy, uh, we saw last night, baseball is unpredictable. And uh, the run support, lack of run support for DeGrom continues, boy, years, literally a year plus later. So Mets minus 240, total is 9. Mets are minus 1.5, minus 145. I would look to lay the 1.5. I think the Mets will bounce back. Uh, and before we get to the deadline, boy, that was a tough loss. Look, it's baseball. It's one game. Anything can happen. That's why people. That's why you don't lay minus 380 in a baseball game. And that game closed minus 380 last night as Soto gets traded, Bell gets traded. It's a triple-A lineup. It's a guy making his first start ever for Washington, a 30-year-old rookie, throwing the ball 91-92. And once, he th- once the Mets tied it, here's the thing. DeGrom looked good. That's all that matters. Five, no, not that it's all that matters because, look, you're in a pennant race here, but... 
it's important, and it's important here how he bounces back, how he feels physically in the next few days. But look, five innings, six strikeouts, three hits, one run, threw the ball 102 miles an hour, one of his first pitches. He looked like DeGrom, so you'll trade that for a loss, even though it's a bad loss, a really bad loss. Look, you've won every day for a week here. You're going to lose one at some point. You didn't expect it to be last night. Again, you closed minus 380. By the time this game went off, by the time this game started, the Mets were minus three on the run line for basically minus 120. Usually, you know, you see minus one and a half. Sometimes they juice it. This was minus three. You figure with DeGrom coming back, which we said yesterday was tricky. It's always tricky with a guy coming off his first start, coming off, uh, making his first start after an injury. But that wasn't why they lost. He only pitched five innings, which I guess that is part of the thing of him only, uh, you know, making his first start back, throwing only five innings. That's part of it. That's part of why you don't lay minus 380. Games 1-1, bullpen implodes, and uh, the Mets go on to lose the game. The Braves win, so the lead is now three in the loss column, two and a half overall. I did not understand. And Buck's done a great job. I did not understand. Down 4-1 in the seventh inning to bunt the guys over with Nito. And then Guillaume gets doubled off. Just a terrible base running job on the little looper by Nimmo. Game was over for there. Mets give up another run. So, look, you're due to lose one. That was a tough one last night. And, uh, look, the important thing is DeGrom is healthy. But now you're in a pennant race as you figure the Mets win today. And that sets up a five-game series with the Braves where you don't have as much cushion as you'd like. We'll see what happens with Atlanta today. That's a good pitching matchup. Wheeler against Morton. So maybe you get a game back today. It's not impossible. That one is Braves minus 120. So it's not impossible the Phillies rise up and, and help you out as the Phillies uh, trade for an old friend, Noah Syndergaard, who will see the Mets uh, in this next week or so. So that'll be interesting in City, City Field, especially with the way that relationship ended. And we should get to some of these other trades here because I spent a lot of time on it yesterday. The Yankees really upgraded their team with Montas, Benatendi, the two relievers. Uh, but they... End the day. You figured they were done. Maybe they made one small little move, you know, to solidify the team, get a bat, get another reliever, whatever it might be. Didn't think another big move was coming. But really, a strange move, a big move, and to me, it's a head-scratcher. Jordan Montgomery, who's not a spectacular pitcher, hasn't pitched great lately, but to give him up for an outfielder who's, first of all, he's hurt. Bader's hurt. Uh, and he's not going to be back sometime in September. That's never a good thing. He's dealing with a foot issue. That I don't understand. I guess they're worried when Stanton comes back, you don't want him to play in the outfield. You know what? You DH him. You go with all defense. You go with a, an outfield defense of you know Judge, maybe Hicks, and Bader. That's really good defensively. Three guys who are all capable of playing center field. So I buy that. But, man, at the price of Montgomery, uh, I just don't get it. I was shocked by it. Look, Cashman knows what he's doing. He's a good GM. He's not a great GM. But, look, he, he knows a hell of a lot more than me. But, boy, I was really surprised by that trade. Perplexing trade got to be more to the story than that that was weird i mean he's still under control for another year after this montgomery like i said good you know on, on his on a good year maybe he makes an all-star team he's not that level of dominant pitcher uh he's not like a game one or game two starter in a playoff series but like he's a solid game three or game four starter he's been a money pitcher he's pitched well in big spots that series in tampa in the playoffs in 2020 down two games to one he threw a really good game he's a good pitcher he's a good pitcher to give him away for an outfielder like that very strange. Didn't understand it. Still overall a good deadline for the Yankees, but that was one um, I really had a hard time understanding. Really didn't make a lot of sense to me. So, look, you add relievers, you add Benatendi, you add Montas, uh, but now you take away a pitcher with Montgomery, and Tyone's been struggling. Herman, you don't trust at all. Uh, boy, very strange. 
very strange. Maybe they give Schmidt a chance to join the rotation instead of Herman. I didn't understand that one. It's possible that you know losing Montgomery, having Herman in the rotation, these guys could end up costing the Yankees the one seed. Mentioned yesterday, maybe the two seeds better off in terms of the seeding, but uh, just just very strange, very strange move. Didn't like it, and boy. You know, the Mets, uh, look, they got a couple bats last week. Vogelback, Naquin, Ruff, similar to 2015, if you remember, when they traded for Uribe and Kelly Johnson, and they sort of went the platoon role. But, uh, you know, Met fans are a little disappointed. Like, hey, what is our guy doing? They were patient, we were patient, and we were not rewarded for our patience because they end up getting Michael Givens from the Cubs, a reliever, but certainly not a splash. They don't get a left-handed reliever. They don't get another bat. You know, Drury goes to the Padres. After all the shopping the Padres did, they get another bat. So, uh an underwhelming deadline for the Mets after a loss. So a, a rough day for the Mets. The pennant race gets closer. The NL East race gets closer. And really kind of an underwhelming deadline. Did not add a lot of pitching. Remember, with the ground back, and once you get into the playoffs, you need three starters, four at most. They've got an excess of starters. So whoever the odd man out, odd out is, in, and that's very debatable, whether it's Walker, Bassett, Carrasco, none of those guys really play up in the pen. Maybe you can add McGill in the pen if he's healthy, which is hard to count on, but you will get another bump. You will be able to throw one of those guys in relief. But, uh, boy, that was, uh, you thought they'd get a little more. I thought they'd get a, you know, more of a, a lockdown setup guy here, uh, with the Mets and they didn't, we'll see if it costs them the division. I still think they're in good shape. We'll see if it costs them a series down the road. I, I was surprised. I really was. I was surprised. I think Mets fans are disappointed and I think they have a right to be disappointed. I don't think they had a great deadline. And uh, to go back to the Yankees, I just I didn't understand the Montgomery trade, although it was a solid deadline overall. Uh, as we did the podcast yesterday, Soto got traded. I mean, look, it's a lot of fun. I mean, it's good It's good for baseball to be on the, the front pages, get some you know, some chatter, some, some headlines. As far as a big picture here, and they're down to 10 to 1 at Bet Rivers to win the title, you still have to go through four rounds. And you might have to play Atlanta, or if the Mets don't win the division, the Mets. And this puts an extra emphasis if you're the Mets on winning the division. Because if you don't win the division, you become the four seed. Four seed would look at like the Padres now. Even if you're the five seed, the four seed is going to be the Padres. So chances are the loser of this division race in the NL East gets the Padres. So you really want to win the division now. Uh, but if you're the Padres, you got to win four rounds here to win the World Series. You got to, because they're not winning the division. Dodgers are winning that division. They're going to clinch it early September similar to the Yankees, similar to the Astros, where that division is gone. It's over with. Uh, the Padres still have to win four rounds, and I know you're going to have Machado and Tatis and uh, obviously Soto. Yeah, Drury. You had all these guys. I don't know. I just – look, it's a fun team. It's a really good team that's good pitching. It's not great pitching. In the playoffs, starting pitching wins. Usually these fantasy teams, you know, the old Texas Rangers teams with Juan Gonzalez and Pudge Rodriguez, you look at this lineup one through nine and be like, oh, my God, how do you get these guys out? In the playoffs, first of all, the weather, it's a little cooler. Scouting reports get tighter. You're facing elite pitching. Usually these big offenses don't translate. You know, those mid-90s Cleveland Indians teams, the Texas Rangers teams, usually it's not the big offenses. Like the Yankee dynasties, uh, they were good offenses. They were balanced. They could produce a run. They had Scott Brocious, guys like that down in the lineup that were productive, but it wasn't like they had four or five all-stars. And you go go back to the mid-2000 Yankee teams. Those teams really didn't win. The Sheffield a-Rod teams, Matsui, those 04, 05, 03 juggernauts offensively didn't really win. So look, the offensive juggernaut usually doesn't play in the postseason. But look, it's a fun move. It's a good move. We'll see down the line here. Uh, you know, if the Nats got enough back, it's hard to get enough back when you give up a guy who's 23 and as good as Soto is. So 
Uh, interesting deadline all the way around. Like I said, Phillies get Syndergaard. Yankees get better. I don't understand the Montgomery move whatsoever. Not at all. Mets completely underwhelming. Uh, the Orioles offloaded some guys in terms of, you know, they were a swing team where they're on the fringe of the mix, but they did get rid of Jorge Lopez, Mancini. Um, the Twins really bulked up. They got Molly. They got Lopez, the closer, from Baltimore. So uh, that's one race that really goes untalked about. And look, it's the NL Central. None of those teams are exciting or particularly good between Cleveland, the White Sox, and the Twins. But that's an interesting three-team race where they're all separated by a couple games. So that'll be one to keep an eye on down the stretch, especially if the Yankees get the two seed. That could be uh, a potential playoff opponent in that division series. So interesting deadline. You can sense the Met fans are, are frustrated. The loss last night, nothing at the deadline. But look, big picture, you're playing well. You got the ground back. You're in first place. Should beat the Nationals today, and then you get ready for five games of what should be a lot of fun. Stressful baseball, intense baseball, but five games against the Braves. Thursday, Friday, two on Saturday, and then one on Sunday. So should be a lot of fun. Hall of Fame game tomorrow. Look, we'll watch a play, a quarter, then you find something else to watch. Like you sit there and watch the whole thing. But football is back. Pennant race baseball. Uh, a lot of fun stuff. So, look, I just, I'm really, I think the takeaway here is the Mets not getting one more relief, one lockdown reliever, one eighth, because Diaz is so good. You want the bridge to him to not be, you know, you trust Adovino somewhat, but after that, Lugo, who knows, you know, Peterson, some of these guys, you just don't really know who to trust. And these starters that they're going to bump to the bullpen don't really play up in the bullpen. Carrasco. Walker, Bassett, I mean, those aren't guys with lights-out stuff that come in, throw the ball 98 miles an hour, get you a strikeout in a big spot. So we'll see. The Mets are in good shape. Got to win the division now. You want no part of the Padres in that best two out of three. You want no part of it. I don't care you're pitching to Grom Scherzer. Uh, I want no part of that. You want no part of that if you're a Met fan to lose the division and have to see San Diego in the first round. So Mets in action in the afternoon. I would expect them to bounce back. I would take them minus the one and a half. Uh, Yankees Mariners under seven and a half would be a play. I think that'll close eat like seven, probably seven juiced. I think that under is way too low. And maybe a first five under three and a half. If you can get it four juiced, uh, I would lean towards the four, but even under three and a half, I think is a good play. Castillo, who threw a great game against the Yankees a couple weeks ago in Yankee Stadium, is back in Yankee Stadium to face Cole. One other scheduling quirk Yankees off Thursday, and then they go to St. Louis to face the Cardinals. So I'm when did Montgomery pitch? Montgomery pitched uh, the weekend, so you would think the Montgomery's lined up here to pitch against the Yankees. Boy, that's kind of weird, isn't it? Kind of weird, kind of awkward, kind of weird. Just boy, that was one that was not on the radar at all. Too not only is this just a strange trade all around, it just really out of nowhere, hadn't been rumored whatsoever, and all all of a sudden Montgomery's on a different team. You know, it's funny you watch these guys, you watch your team every day, you watch these guys every day. It kind of becomes part of. You know, your extended family, you're used to seeing them every day. It's funny to turn on the TV today and uh, see and right, look out in right field. And, oh, yeah, Gallo's not on the team anymore. Team anymore. Montgomery's not on the team anymore. Should have mentioned that, too. Gallo goes to the Dodgers. Uh, so if the Yankees meet the Dodgers in the playoffs, he could be Gallo could be back at Yankee Stadium. Should have mentioned that. They do get, sounds like a decent reliever back. You're surprised they get anything back for him. But Gallo does go to the Dodgers, so he's not in the mix anymore. Should have mentioned that. Uh, but, yeah, these guys that you just see every day, day in, day out, you know, the trade deadline's weird. You look up, and they're just they're not on the team anymore. Montgomery was a guy, too. He was home, homegrown, came up. Remember that 2017 season, which a lot of Yankee fans love, one of their favorite seasons, kind of an out-of-nowhere run to the ALCS, got to a Game 7, had two chances to win one game to go to the World Series. Montgomery was a big part of that team. He didn't pitch, I don't think, at all in the postseason, but was a big part of that team. 
early 2018, he gets hurt, misses uh, has Tommy John surgery, misses 2018 and 19, comes back in 20, pitches pretty well, wins that big playoff game for him. Uh, has been solid these last few years. So he's a solid starter. I'm surprised they just gave him away. I really am. Not that Bader's a bad player. He's a really good defensive player. Uh, once you get him healthy here, really, really, uh, I think really good defensive player is probably underselling it. I would say he's an elite defensive center fielder, but uh, a strange move nonetheless. Really strange move. So a lot of baseball to dissect, a lot of trades to go over. We'll do that and more with the great Katie Sharp. That is next. This is the New York City Cast presented by Bet River Sportsbook. Bet River Sportsbook is offering new customers a deposit match up to $250 when you sign up today. In addition to their welcome bonus, Bet Rivers has daily and ongoing promotions that can provide extra value. Download the Bet Rivers app or go to betrivers.com today to sign up. Must be 21 or older, available in New York only. Void where prohibited. Gambling problem? Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. All right, we are back. New York City Cast, Bet River Sportsbook. Let's talk a little trade deadline. She is the customer success manager at Stathead, and she is back. It is the great Katie Sharp. Katie, thanks for coming on. How's it going? It's going great. Thanks for having me again. All right. I, I like what the Yankees did at the deadline, but you're going to have to help me here. You're going to have to talk me into this Montgomery trade. You're going to have to convince me this wasn't a dream. When I saw they traded him, boy, I was stunned. We see all these trades you know, rumored. He was not one Montgomery that was in any rumors. And then when I saw the return, I was equally shocked. So try to sell me here on how this deal makes sense. Well, I think what this deal really was, was it was a deal for the postseason. Um, I mean, the Yankees, they pretty much know that they've got the division wrapped up, right? So they're basically their next meaningful game essentially is going to be in October. And what this does, they knew that Montgomery was really not going to be a factor in the playoff rotation. He was going to be their fifth best starter at best going down the stretch, right? Um, so what they wanted really was they needed somebody who could make a potential impact in the postseason. And that's Harrison Bader with his elite defensive ability at center field and also his base running. Um, he's one of the he's in probably the top five percent in terms of sprint speed this season. He has the most outs above average, according to Stabcast, um, among outfielders since. 2018, which was his uh, first full season. So he really is probably one of the best center defensive center fielders um, in the majors right now. And so this was really, I think, an eye towards shoring up that postseason roster and the fact that Montgomery, you know, he really wasn't going to be a factor um, in October. So it sounds like you liked it. Did you, would you have approved I this trade if they consulted you? I, don't, I, I can't say that I would have 100% approved it because it comes with a lot of risk. Basically, yeah. you're assuming that there's going to be no other injuries to any of the Yankee starters this season. Um, so they just basically cut their margins to about like a, as thin of, as a paperclip, right? So they're assuming that Severino is going to come back healthy in sometime in September, be able to make some starts in the, in October. They assume that Herman is going to be a, you know, going to stay healthy and he's going to be able to hold down that fifth spot for the rest of the season. Obviously not going to be a factor in the playoffs, but just to eat innings the rest of the season. They're assuming that Cortez is going to somehow, you know, he's going to blow past his innings limit and he's going to be fine. Um, so there, there's a ton of risk. They're also assuming that Tyone can somehow turn it around, um, you know, and, and sort of, and be a factor, you know, down the stretch and in the postseason. So it doesn't come with, you know, it comes with a lot of risk. 
but I think that there's certainly there's definitely some upside here um, in terms of, and not just for this year, but for next year as well. Plus Bader's hurt. He's dealing with a foot issue. He's going to be back in September. You know how those things go. I mean, we know that <laughs> exactly. with the Yankees, mean, you know, he's going to be back in a few weeks until he's not going to be back in a few weeks, <laughs> setbacks. And we've, we've heard that uh, plenty of times. Boy, it was strange. And look, Cashman's a good GM. I don't know that he's a great GM, but he's a good GM. He's smarter than me. So uh, all, all of us on Twitter who are screaming about this, I'm sure there's a method behind his madness, but I thought it was strange. But uh, I have to say the rest of the deadline, I was pretty impressed. They didn't make the splash with Soto or Tani. Like, you know, we were used to maybe a decade plus ago with George Steinbrenner. But I thought they really addressed a lot of the, you know, all three phases of the team, whether it's the offense with Benatendi, Montas with the rotation, add a couple bullpen guys who I'm sure will help with Blake. What do you think here of what they did with the, uh, with the rest of the team? Yeah, I mean, they basically checked all of the boxes that they needed. And they gave up one top five prospect. And that's, that was number five. That was a Waldachuk, Ken Waldachuk. Um, so they basically got everything that they needed. They didn't get the tippy top. Like they didn't get Luis Castillo, who was probably the number one starter available. But they got the number two guy available in Frankie Montas, right? And they maybe didn't get the number one bullpen arm that was available. But they probably got like four and five. Um, and that's what they needed. I mean, they have a, a terrific bullpen. They already have a terrific back end of the bullpen um, with Holmes as the closer. Uh, they have a terrific ace, right, in Garrett Cole. So they didn't really need to make that huge splash um, that some of the other teams did. And I think that they did. I think he did a tremendous job. I would have given him an A plus up until about 545 uh, Eastern time <laughs> when he pulled that Montgomery thing, which maybe bumped it down to an A minus just because it does come with so much risk. But I think that, you know, what they're getting in Montas is probably is going to be their number two starter in the postseason. They didn't really have that because they didn't know what they were, if they were going to be able to depend on Severino and, and Cortez to be able to make that leap right there. Um, but what I love about Montas is that he combines an ability to get strikeouts and ground balls, which is incredibly important with the Yankees infield defense, which is so elite this year. Um, so he is one of two starters that has a strikeout rate above 25% and a ground ball rate above 46% this season. And the other one happens to be Shane McClanahan, who was an all-star pitcher this, this year. So um, he truly is one of the elite guys. I mean, I think he doesn't get noticed a lot, obviously, because he's in Oakland. But I really like what they did with Montas. And I think that, um, you know, he's, he's going to be just as good as Castillo would be uh, for the Yankees this year and next year as well. I love Montas, love his stuff. I think it's a great move. There is still like 10% of me that uh, thinks of Sonny Gray and <laughs> these guys that pitch in Oakland in front of 4,000 people in a dead ballpark. You put them under the bright lights, you know, in the Bronx. We saw that with Gallo, uh, and you wonder how they'll react. I, for whatever reason, I'm not worried about that with Montas. Maybe I should be. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Is that a concern at all? It's not a concern for me. Um, I mean, from everything that I've heard and read, he's got sort of that bulldog mentality, um, and he's been – I mean, he's got a 2.21 ERA in, in six starts against the Astros the last two seasons. So that's nothing. You know what I mean? I mean, that's that's definitely something that you can look at. And um, I guess until he uh, until he blows up and until he's horrible, you got to have confidence in him um, that he's going to be able to make the transition. Did you see I forget the reporter, I would give him credit, but uh, somebody quoted, I, I forget the sources, but the fact that the, the Yankees were warned that Gallo would not be a good fit in New York, but they ignored it because there's no way to quantify it. Did you see that report? I did. I did not see that report. Um, 
I, I would have been surprised by that. I think the Yankees are a little smarter than that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate that Gallo didn't work out here. Um, I wish him the best of luck in LA and with the Dodgers and everything. Maybe they can turn him around. But um, yeah, he just wasn't cut out for it here. And it, it, it's too bad. Boy, it would make me nervous. For whatever reason, it would make me nervous <laughs> to see Gallo in, in Yankee Stadium in a Dodger uniform in the World Series. Now, that means they made it to the World Series. But I don't know, something about that. You could just see him going to LA with no pressure and actually playing well. Because uh, like we talked about last time, like Gallo had a, a good career. There was... He always struck out, but he hit the homers. The thing he, he didn't do here, like the strikeouts are fine, but he just didn't hit the homers for whatever reason. Yeah, and he also – and this year the walks really went down as well. Yeah. Um, and, the, and the defense, I think, regressed too. Uh, I think he was just getting – he was getting moved around a lot, you know, between left and right, and I just don't think he was ever really comfortable. Um, so, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, it could you could, uh, you could see him in October and, and hitting some sort of, a, you know, dramatic home run. Um, in the World Series against the Yankees, but um, you know we'll have to deal with it when it comes. Yeah, it sets up a bunch of potential great storylines for this postseason, which I can't even wait for. Now that we get to August, it's like real that you know day to day of the season. You're so worried about today's game, tomorrow's game. You look up and you don't even think about the end of the season. Now it's like the end of the season, September, so we're almost there. And uh, you know, a Yankees Mets, obviously Yankees Astros, mm -hmm. Yankees Dodgers, and now you add Gal to that. So so many uh, great storylines setting up here in this postseason. Yeah, I'm excited. I mean, like we've got what 50, 50 something games left. We're getting there. Um, which is a third of the season, and uh, every there's still going to be a ton of meaningful games because the Yankees. I don't think they're going to let up. I think they really want that home field advantage over the Astros. They've been stung um, in the past couple postseasons. I'm not having that game seven in in New York. So I think the Yankees are going to kind of uh, go to the end. You know, push the metal to the pedal or <laughs> the pedal to the metal. Um, down down the stretch so i'm excited for it yeah you bring up something that I, i've been talking about and i think it's really important yankees astros i don't know who i'd pick i think i would pick whoever had home field if that was the series mm -hmm. but there's a little wrinkle here where if you just look at the bracket the one seed as of now would play the winner and of course this could change would, would play the winner of blue jays mariners which both those teams are pretty tough. Mariners got Castillo mm -hmm. while the two seed as of now would get the twins or the Rays, which is a much easier. So you'd much rather be the one if it gets to the ALCS and have on field. But it's interesting where the one seed is probably going to have a tougher matchup in that first round, which goes back to the whole thing where, you know, some people want the one seed to pick their opponent, which I would be in favor of. So it uh -huh. uh, could be a, a cool little ring or an interesting little wrinkle here where the one seed actually has a tougher matchup in, in round one. Yeah, that is really interesting. I hadn't been looking at the bracket. But, um, but yeah, I think that, uh, the, I mean, the, the, the Mariners are going for it, you know, they are not letting up. And I think that they are going to be a super tough out, um, come October, um, because they are just so hungry and they did, they obviously got Castillo down the stretch. The Blue Jays did a bunch to, uh, to shore up some of their, their holes as well on the offense. Um, and they're always a tough out. Um, so yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be really exciting. Um, but in both leagues as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, they have a lot of volume now, the Yankees in bullpen, but, you know, four, three game, eighth inning. I don't know who I'm giving to the ball. You know, you like to have that bridge where, you know, seventh inning, I'm giving the ball to this guy, eighth inning, I'm giving the ball to that guy. And then we give it to Holmes in the ninth. Mm -hmm. uh, do you play the hot hand? What is your sort of uh, sense here and what the pecking order will be here as we come down the stretch in the bullpen? Well, I think it's tough. I mean, obviously losing Michael King really, really put a wrench into their, into their bullpen structure. Um, but they do have, they have the quantity, like you said, they have the quantity to make it up. 
And I think that you do play the hot hand. I think that right now, I think Efros is going to get a chance to be that eighth inning setup guy. I mean, this guy is tremendous. I don't think people realize how good he's been. Um, just some numbers to kind of put into perspective. We know he's a rookie. So this is technically his second season, but still he's uh, he's got rookie status. But this year he's holding left-handed batters. Remember, he's a righty to a 127 batting average, which is the third lowest uh, batting average to lefties um, among righties. And the only two guys ahead of him are Edwin Diaz and Ryan Helsley, who are probably two of the best closers um, right now in, in the majors. Um, and he's also, he's, re, he's elite at finishing off batters. So with two strikes, he has, he's allowed a 217 OPS. 217 OPS with two strikes, which is the lowest by any pitcher in the majors this season um, that's faced at least 80 batters. So he's got great stuff. He's got that funky sidearm angle um, that plays not only against le- uh, righties, you know, as a righty, but also against lefties, as I mentioned. So I think he's going to get a chance to, to step into that eighth inning role. Um, I think they still love Peralta. Um, he's a workhorse. He seems to always work better under pressure. You know, we, we always get that feeling when he comes into a, like a five run game that it's soon going to become a one run game or something like that. But when he when he uh, when he's under when he's in those high leverage situations, he really dials it up. Um, so I see those two kind of competing for that that eighth inning spot. And, you know, lefty righty, they both they both can get both guys out as well. Um, but uh, I think the Yankees are in a pretty good situation. Um, they've got Chapman on the wise. ago seem to be uh, had some, you know, four scoreless outings each. Um, over the last four games. Um, so they can kind of fill those middle innings. And then you've got Marinaccio to be kind of the long guy. We've seen him do some great stuff. He had that 19 inning scoreless streak um, that he was going on. And then um, and then obviously with uh, Trevino, um, the new guy that they picked up, who I think is going to be a really underrated asset for them. Um, I'm sure everybody's heard about how all the metrics, he's got this 6.47 ERA, but the underlying metrics really paint to a, a much better pitcher um, with a 29% strikeout rate, you know, 10% or 9% walk rate. Uh, he's got, he's, he's allowed two of 21 inherited runners to score this season, which is just tremendous. Um, so I think that they are, they're in a really good spot with their bullpen right now. It's just a matter of who's going to step up. And like you said, be that eighth inning guy that they can depend on, um, you know, in a pressure situation. Yeah, I love Trevino. I remember the first time I saw him, I don't know if you remember that 2018 play, uh, that wild card game against Oakland, where mm-hmm. Oakland went with a bullpen game. They started Hendricks, yeah. they threw a bunch of different guys. He came in and probably threw two or three innings. I think he held the fort for a little bit. He was, I was like, who the hell is this guy? He's throwing 99 um you know back even four years ago it's not when everyone threw 99 he's throwing hard great right. sliders so i think you give him to matt blake and matt blake is such a weapon here because you give him these guys and he can just uh improve them you know work on the pitch selection whatever it is the mechanics and really get the most out of these guys and yeah i like efros i like trevino i think efros got a little jeff nelson probably i don't know if you're old enough to remember jeff nelson but he's got oh, yeah. that funky motion the frisbee yeah. slider the sinker so uh again i would rather have three or four guys that i feel great about than seven or eight guys that i feel pretty good about but I think the Yankees are in decent shape here. Not great shape, but decent shape. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. Like, and the way that Boone manages with giving rest to people not pitching, you know, three days in a row, I think it does help to have sort of like that, you know, pick the, pick the guy who's going to be the next one. Because it could be Chapman. I mean, it could be Efros. It could be Peralta. Any of those guys 
could be the one that that's going to step up and they've all got experience in that role as well we i didn't even i you know loisiga as well um you know it's and we we there's still there's still looky out there i know he he kind of uh, had a bad outing um recently but um yeah they've got a lot of options so i think that's sort of better than kind of like having those set roles where you have to pitch some guy in the eighth inning um because what if he's pitched three days in a row then he's not going to be available and none of those other guys have that experience of being in the eighth inning being that 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 bridge so um i like where they are with the bullpen and it's just really a matter i think a lot of it is going to depend also on boone and being able to uh kind of feel who's hot who's ready and, and who what the best matchups are I don't like the fact that Chapman's pitched pretty well lately because he's going to sucker us back in. He's going to sucker yeah. Boone back in. He's going to gain that trust. I'd rather just get bombed every time, get him off the team. I just don't trust him. Nothing he can do can make me trust him. I'm just, and I defended him, I think, more than most people. A lot of times he was a great, not a good, a great pitcher for a long time. Uh, I'm just kind of out on him. Do you have any faith left in Chapman? Sounds like you do. I Very little. I like Chapman in the sixth inning. <laughs> Put him in the sixth inning. I don't want him after the sixth inning, though. Yeah. Uh, I just get too nervous because if you put him in the sixth inning and he blows up, the Yankees have enough good enough of an offense to kind of come back. We know that we've seen that so many times that, you know, they have these ridiculous comebacks in the seventh, eighth and ninth innings. So I think that Chapman, maybe I think his role sort of could be that sixth inning guy. Um, and I'd be fine with that. I do still get nervous, like you said. Um, and my faith in him is, is more than it was at the beginning of the, you know, before, uh, before everything, but it's definitely less than, you know, when he was an elite guy a couple of years ago. Yeah. It's tough. Cause you, we always kind of figured he probably wouldn't age that well when you go right. from just, I mean, he was just a two, basically a one pitch pitcher, a one and a half pitch pitcher. And when you go from one Oh five to, you know, 98, 99, would he be able to, uh, sustain his success and not only that but the red you know he was throwing 105 when nobody else in the league was throwing right. 100 now you know people see it all the time so if caught up to him sounds like he might be uh you know a, a big user of that spider tax stuff i think you can use that cutoff point last year and they started to crack down mm -hmm. that his numbers have fell off so yeah it's just tough I, it, it's hard to trust him like you said in, in any big spot it's hard to trust him with a lead but uh you know he still does throw the ball 98 99 miles an hour it's just hard to trust him yeah, and I think that he still needs to get that confidence in his secondary pitches, um, his slider splitter, yeah. and the splitter, um, which he, I, I, it does start with the fastball. Like he has to have the fastball just because that's what he's always had. So I feel like he needs that as the confidence, but the splitter and the, the slider are really what's going to make a difference for him in terms of being able to, to get guys out um, on a consistent basis. Yeah. And he was always a strike throwing machine too. Not only did he throw hard, but he always, he never walked people. Now it's just, I mean, he could throw eight, 12 balls in a row. You're not even surprised. He really uh, yeah. loses that command. And he's a guy he needs to sort of pitch every day. Cause if you give him a week off, you know, with that, with the rest, he's just not as sharp. Um, the Mets, were you surprised they didn't do more? Not, not, I wasn't terribly surprised. Um, I mean, surprised because Steve Cohen is there <laughs> and, you know, he seems to like, to have the, the spotlight and make that big splash, but they don't really have a, lot, a ton of holes. Obviously they probably could have used more of a power bat. I mean, they, they did get Darren Ruff, um, who's good, who could help with uh, being a platoon bat with Vogel, Vogelbach. Um, they got some nice bullpen uh, help. I like what they did with Michael Gibbons. I like that move a lot, but they're getting the best starter and they're getting the best starter at the deadline and they didn't even have to trade for him um, with Jacob DeGrom coming back, right? 
Um, he looked fantastic last night, uh, Tuesday night, um, in his, in his first game back. And you just hope, you hope that he doesn't get injured again, but with him and Scherzer at the top of the rotation and Walker there as a number three, um, and Edwin Diaz closing games out. I mean, they really didn't have a ton of holes. Um, like I said, and I think that they, I think they positioned themselves well, uh, to patch up some of those little, little trouble spots that they had. Yeah, we were talking, uh, I think a couple of weeks ago back, say you bet, but you don't bet baseball. Last night's a good example. Maybe you're better off not betting baseball sometimes. The Mets closed minus $380 favorite. So minus, you had to risk $380 to win yeah, 100 yeah. Uh, They were minus three, minus 110 on the run. So they're basically laying a seeing baseball and of course the nationals come out and beat them i think the final was five to one six to one and just uh look that's well, baseball <laughs> it was a, and the funny thing that it was a typical jacob de grom start yes because he uh, allowed one run in five innings and then the bullpen blew it for him <laughs> and if that isn't jacob de grom starting for the mets then i don't know i mean it, you couldn't have scripted it better <laughs> right i guess the positive <laughs> side is <laughs> yeah i know the positive side is you would trade the, the game for DeGrom looking healthy, being healthy. Right. That's a good trade-off if you want to look at the glass half full, which uh, Mets fans are not always looking at the glass half full. Right. Um, but yeah, I think that the Mets, I think they I think they have the edge right now in the NL East race. Um, I mean, obviously they got the three and a half game cushion over the Braves, um, who did very well at the, who did well at the trade deadline as well, even though they didn't make a big splash, but they, they kind of shored up their, their rotation, um, excuse me, at their bullpen with uh, getting a Iglesias, Iglesias. Um, and then I believe they got another starter. I can't remember uh, remember who, just to kind of shore that up. Um, Odorizzi? But, yeah, Odorizzi, right. Kind of like a fifth fifth inning guy or fifth starter, kind of innings eater guy um, for, the, for their rotation. But this is going to be a fascinating race down the stretch. I mean, they still have 12 games left against each other, which is basically like 25% of their schedule, remaining schedule, right? Um, the Mets do have sort of a little bit of an advantage in terms of strength of schedule remaining, um, some easier opponents. I believe they've got 17 total games against Nationals, Pirates, and A's, who all are pretty much the three worst teams um, in, the major, in the majors right now. And I think the, uh, the Braves only have 11 versus those, three, those trio of teams. Can you give me that one more so, time? Because I want to write that one down. That's a good one. What yeah, was it? so it's um, the Mets have... Uh, 17 games left against the Nationals, A's, and Pirates. That's, per that's pretty good. That's a good and, one. That's yeah, the Braves have 11 against those three teams. In a close race, that means a lot. And now the race yeah. is even more intense because if, you, if you're if you the runner-up in the East, chances are you're going to draw the Padres. That was going to be the last oh, one exactly. before I got you out of here yeah. to ask you about Soto. But if you lose, you're probably looking at a best two out of three with the way the seedings are. The NL Central winner is going to be the three seed. And then the four or five is going to be some version of the NL East runner-up and the Padres at a best two out of three uh have fun with that yeah I don't envy anyone who has to play the Padres the rest of the season I mean once they get Tatis back that they could have the best lineup in I don't know about if the majors but definitely the, in the NL right and they already have one of the best the best pitching staffs in the in the net in the National League uh, a lot a ton of depth there um so they are they are certainly the team that you do not want to face in October um, and, uh, I, I just, I still can't believe that they got Juan Soto and they got Josh Bell, probably the two best, um, hitters that were available on the market. And they got both of them in one deal and uh, hater and they got, <laughs> they got a closer. 
They're the um, new Yankees. This is what the Yankees used to do. You get a guy, you get another guy, and you just keep getting guys until there's no more. I mean, you just keep getting everybody. That's what they do. I mean, doesn't always work out. They got Darvish and Snell a couple off seasons ago. Yeah. And, you know, they had a bad season, but uh, give them credit. They just keep throwing money at it, and, and they're aggressive. It's, it's fun, and uh, if you're a Padres fan, it's great. Yeah, I mean, even though they probably know they're not going to win the NL West, anything can happen. All you got to do is get into the playoffs, right? They right. know that they can beat anybody in the playoffs with this, with their lineup and their rotation and their bullpen. Um, and so, yeah, I commend them, man, for going for it, even though it does, you know, even though they've got the Dodgers in front of them, um, they, they still made a splash. They're still going for it. Yeah. And they're uh, like, they have a tough road too, because they're going to have to face some form, some, you know, version of could be, you know, Braves in round one, then Dodgers, then Mets, then Astros. So they have a gauntlet to go through for people saying, you know what, they're just going to win the world series, but they certainly improved. And uh, man, those Dodgers Padres games are going to be a lot of fun. It's basically half the all-star team between those two teams. So should be a lot of fun. Katie, this was great. You were tremendous as always. Uh, let everyone know where they can find you. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at KT Sharp. Uh, that's letters K and T and then sharp. Um, and yeah, just hit me up with any questions. I'm always on, I'm talking Yankees. I'm talking all baseball. Um, so be fired up for the rest of the season. All right. We'll catch up here down the road. Thanks for coming on. All right. Thanks a lot. Will. All right. Thank you for listening. Thank you to Katie sharp. We will be back tomorrow. Don't forget to download rate review and subscribe. Uh, Mets Braves tomorrow. Hall of Fame game. We got football tomorrow. NFL tackle football. So be back tomorrow. See you then. Thank you for listening. This is the New York City Cats presented by the River Sportsbook.